Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Hayes, and along with Don Landry, welcome back to The Gist of It. Now, we've got a lot to talk about, including the Grey Cup, the Republican presidential dance, and speaking of dancing, Rolling Stone has just come out with a new list of the top 100 guitarists, and there are some we disagree with, somewhat vehemently. There's also the Leafs. When will the other shoe drop? Or will it? Favorite websites, a brand new Loblaws in the oldest of places. Coming up on The Gist of It. Politics. Sports entertainment pop culture it's all fair game here somewhere in the city of toronto two brains are about to collide what will remain is the gist of it here now are don landry and bill hayes people actually lined up last night to be amongst the first ever to enter the new loblaws at maple leaf gardens they're not even selling iphones bill The guy who made the first purchase giddily held up the receipt as he was interviewed by a TV crew. He said, I'm so excited. Stop being so excited. They haven't convened an emergency meeting at the Hockey Hall of Fame so they can approve a budget amendment so that they can pay whatever it takes to get that receipt from you. Okay, fella? Sir, that receipt you have is worth less than the Arthur's Berry Fruit Smoothie it shows you purchased. Big opening was today of that store, and Chairman Galen Weston was at the front door, warmly welcoming the, well, not quite horde, but sizable gathering. What would have been better than that, though, would have been a Harold Ballard lookalike, waving his cane at people as they come in, bellowing, get your groceries, give me your money, and get the f*** out. As would have befitted his tenure in the building. I mean, during the Ballard era, it was always President's Choice, wasn't it? That's why we ended up with Rich Costello in the Daryl Sittler trade. What drives people to do things like this, though? Are you so desperate to have a holiday season icebreaker that you need to camp out overnight in the cold and rain just so you can say, Merry Christmas? Hey, did you know I was the first person to buy a tin of chili at Maple Leaf Gardens? Yeah, that was me. But maybe I'm a little beside the point here, Bill. Maple Leaf Gardens has reopened, and that's cause for celebration. I eagerly await their new line of products, President's Choice Memories of Gord McRae Macaroni, or President's Choice Memories... Fading, fading memories of Stanley Cup glory gingerbreads. They used to be great, but now, incredibly stale. Oh, ain't that the truth? You know what would really would have been cool there? If they'd had ice in every aisle. And you put your skates on when you went in, and that's how you did your shopping. I'd be behind that. And the carts, yeah, the carts would have the yeah. little runners on them. Now, that's sensational. Down, I think they said it was aisle 25. There's a little red dot. And that apparently is the spot where Center Center Ice Ice was located at Maple Leaf Gardens. So, I mean, there there might be some cool things about this. But, again, I I scratch my head, literally doing it right now, folks, uh, since we're not on video, uh, about people who line up for various things and the excitement uh, that that guy had over the receipt and people just waiting. Last night was not a kind night. To get what your free uh, bit of bread, instead of cutting a ribbon, they cut some bread. So you get a little bit of bread there. and. Yeah, they cut a big a big uh, stick of bread, you know, and then here, everyone come in and start shopping at Loblaws. It's uh, it's it's something that I will probably go and see at some point, um, but not unless I happen to be in the neighborhood, and I don't know how many weeks or months down the road that might yeah, be. It's, I, look, I think it's a neat idea, and there's no question that as a part of our history, that building means an awful lot. But it doesn't mean I have to go there to get a new loaf of bread and yeah. some onions. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I do. You know what? But they do. Well, will this, will this entice you? Do you know what they have there? A wall of cheese. Ooh. Wasn't that Yuri Sirha's nickname? <laughs> wall of cheese. <laughs> Swiss, I believe. It's Bill Hayes and Don Landry. 
and you're getting the gist of it. You know, Don, you've spent enough time in these parts to understand that when it comes to Toronto Maple Leafs and their fans, I think most people always expect the worst. You know that no matter how good things are going right now, it's not too long before the whole thing's going to cave in. Well, so I far wonder hasn't why happened. they feel that way, Bill. Oh, history, perhaps. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. But they've been playing really, really well. And and you know what? i got to tell you, I'm starting to become a believer. I And it's for one simple reason, one word even. Speed. They are incredibly fast. They are, I think, the fastest team in the league. And the way the NHL is being played right now, that'll always keep you in games. Now, look. We've seen them fall apart before, and it's quite likely, maybe quite no, possible, I, I, maybe no, likely I, that they'll. I don't be. think it's likely. Okay, it's I don't quite it's possible, likely. quite possible sure, that it'll possible. happen again. I mean, anybody can can grenade at any point. But here's what's surprising me the most: we sat here during training camp, talked about their fortunes. I said, I think they can make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but and there was a very big but. Remember what yep. it was? It was James Reimer has to play outstanding. And he hasn't, the, and he's not even been in yep. the nets for the Maple mm-hmm. Leafs. And they've had some up and down goaltending with uh, with uh, Gustafson, and lately more up than down. And, and you know, Scrivens came in and looked like he was going to be the next Mike Palmatier. You know, in that you know, he, he still could be. It's just not going to happen could, now. It's not going to happen now. So they've done that without him, and they've done it despite having a few efforts in here where you go, "Oh my God!" There's the beginning of the end, right, right mm-hmm. there. You lose seven nothing. You don't expect to come back from that, and then, and then you do. And they, as I said, they've had a couple of efforts like that. So I don't expect that they are going to slip into a, a deep, ugly funk. They've had injuries to deal with, too, and they've done it Lots very of nicely. Them. And, you know, the other thing, that's, that's very true. They're, they're much deeper. Those injuries have not hurt them like people would have thought. If you go back, say, seven, eight games, when all of a sudden their schedule started getting harder, as you recall, in the beginning, they, they had a pretty soft schedule to start with. Yeah. And then you start looking ahead, and you see the injuries. You see Reimers out. You see uh, other people that are in and out of the lineup. They lost Grabowski for a couple of weeks, didn't know how long MacArthur would be out. Um, and yet they kept fighting, kept even games they, were, they lost, they, with one exception, they, they were in. You know, The exception, frankly, is the team that they're playing – Twice this week, uh, well, and that's the Boston Bruins. This is the real measuring stick right now mm-hmm. for just exactly where they are when it comes to you know the ability to uh, to deal with adversity, to deal with a quality opponent. Because the, the one team that is really hammered at them is Boston right. uh, by an aggregate of what thirteen to two or or fourteen. Yeah. To two? What was it? I, one I of them was a seven to two. Yeah. So th- they have not handled the Bruins at all. And the first win the Bruins had over them was when the Bruins were deep in their beginning of they the season. They had won in like six games. Awful, awful yeah. stuff. They've been on a tear late, you know, since then. So the Leafs face a very good opponent who, even when they weren't good, was handling them easily. So it's a stern test, not just for the game tonight as we record this, but also on the on weekend. On Saturday night. Well, you know what's interesting, too? One of the things, this has been a pet bug of mine for quite some time. We tend to look at these guys, especially with the money they're making. Well, they're professionals. They're, you know, they're, whatever those outside distractions are, they have to learn to deal with it. And, yeah. and yes, they do. But they, you know what? They're human beings. And I think what happens with the Bruins is it indicates just how human these guys are. Bill Kessel has been, for my money, the best player in the league so far this year. I am not suggesting for a moment that he is uh, the most talented player. I'm saying what we've seen out of him so far this season, he has been the best player in the NHL. All-star voting seems to reflect that. He's number one in goals, number one in points in the league. No one would have expected that. It's, it's a real surprise. But his problem is 
he can't play against Boston. And it's because it's in his head. It's because that's the team he came from. I think he has difficulty playing against those guys. But I guarantee you that once he gets past that, and he will, whether it be tonight or on Saturday night, you'll see that whatever that problem is with the Bruins will be in the rear view. Because this guy's leading this team. And if he comes out and does it against them, sky's the limit. I await the poetic justice that will be the 2012 All-Star Game, where Phil Kessel, if he keeps doing what he's doing right now, will be not the last pick by the team captain of the East, but perhaps even the first, the pick. first pick. And here's the other thing. Ovechkin might be the last one. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great to see Phil taking that picture? She get a car. This is The Gist of It with Landry and Hayes. Well, Don, as people who follow the podcast know, uh, we took last week off, and there was a very good reason for it. You were in Vancouver for the Grey Cup, and you were there for the most of the week. Tell me, what was the was, atmosphere like? Atmosphere was pretty good, as it uh, usually is in festival areas. And uh, in Vancouver, they had it concentrated because you just you can't you can't have that energy diffused throughout such a, a huge footprint. You, you can't do it. I don't think you can do it with anything, to tell you the truth. But they did a nice job at the convention center and near the stadium and in uh, you know, the cluster of hotels where, where things were happening. It was obvious the Grey Cup was on. As soon as you got to the airport, they had flags. They had people there to greet you. Did, did you it, get a sense that the, the, the fact that the Lions were in it was a big part of that whole thing? Oh, I think so. I, I think it I energized uh, the lower mainland is what they like to call it right. there, Bill. I think it energized them a little bit. Um, I hear that the last time the Grey Cup was there, which was, I think, 2005, it, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. That was when the Black Eyed Peas did the halftime show and that sort of thing. Uh, so I can't compare it. I can only compare it to 99, which was the last time I was in Vancouver for a Grey Cup, and this was better. And it probably had something to do with the Lions being there. It probably had something to do with things have changed a lot since 1999 mm-hmm. in every way, shape, and form. Things are just better when it comes to these festivals. How the was CFO's the stadium? gotten really good. Gorgeous. Really? They spent $550 million to refurbish that stadium. That's hard to believe. That's a From lot of money. here, watching it on television when they opened it in September, I just thought, okay, great. But you know what? You know what you could have gotten for $550 million? A whole brand new stadium. Yeah, exactly. When I walked in there, I thought, they pretty much have a whole brand new stadium. They did a terrific job. I think it was worth the money. It's just it's a gorgeous, gorgeous facility. The game didn't really live up to it. The game was uh, it started hot. look it started hot for the Lions, and then I thought this is not going to be enticing because the BC's running away with it. And then the defenses took over for about two and a half quarters, and it was a little bit stultifying. Yeah, it but wasn't it's different when you're there. I'm I'm there, and there are you know fifty four thousand people, and there's energy, and there's pomp and color, and the whole games look different. So for me. It didn't look like a terrific game, but I was still having a good time. But I could figure, sitting 2,000 kilometers away watching it on television, you might go, um... It wasn't. It really wasn't a good football game. Yeah. The game of the weekend, actually, was the Vanier Cup. Oh, that was unbelievable. But you know, And actually, when you think about it, the Grey Cup was the third best event of that week. You're not going to say three, Nickelback. Number the Grey Cup. Number two, the Vanier Cup. Number one, easily, Cap versus Mosca on the Friday. Oh, wasn't that something? <laughs> now, look, you saw that. Did you saw think the video it? That, yeah. Did you think it was staged? No, I don't think it was staged at all. I want to tell you a little story. The night before, I'm in the lockdown for the player awards for people who don't who aren't in media. The lockdown is you go into this room and they do it for things like federal budgets. Sure, and that, yep. where the reporters can get 
They get the, the information, but they I can't get, get it out. Ahead of time. Right. right. So you can start working on your stories, but you can't go anywhere and you can't tweet out and you can't do anything like that. Right. And uh, we're just getting ready for this thing to start. And all of a sudden, Joe Cap pokes his head in and one of his hangers on because I wouldn't really have recognized him and said, this is the legendary Joe Cap. And then he just goes, go Lions. And everyone continues to work. And he says it again louder. And he did it about three or four times, every time getting louder. And it was just kind of bizarre. And then finally someone said, okay, thank you, Mr. Cap. You need to leave now. So because of that, uh, what his behavior there, I don't think that other part was staged. I think that it's a 50-year-old feud. Unbelievable. And, and, and Cap may have decided, yeah, I'll give him a flower and we'll... And everything will be friendly. But Mosca didn't want anything to do with it and swung his cane at him. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, it, it was high entertainment. So they, it, it was. But it, I have it on, on good authority that it wasn't even about the Fleming hit from 48 years ago. Oh, okay. I didn't game. know I, that. I, if, you, if you listen very closely, if you can get like augmented audio of this video. Right. When Cap leans in, clearly you can hear him say to Mosca, I love Nickelback. And I guess Mosca's in the other camp and it and came well, Like most of us, really. By I, the way, I'm not a Nickelback fan. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. That wasn't half bad. That was that was a pretty good halftime show. I've I've got to say okay. that I think they pulled it off. They did a great job. It's not enough for me to go out and listen to their music all the time because I'm more of a Sarah Sleen, Royal Wood, Dalla kind of guy. And um, they're just a little too, you know, hardcore and loud for me. But for those purposes... That place, that time, they did a pretty good job. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to admit this, but I know that Royal Wood is, in fact, married to Sarah Sleen. I know. Not many people know that. It, not many people know that, but it, and breaking hearts on both sides of the gender barrier. Yeah, absolutely. That, one, that yeah. is a good-looking, talented couple. Set it free. Don, like a lot of people, I spend a fair amount of time online. I don't go on Facebook a lot, so if you posted something or made a friend request, it might be a while before I answer. I worry if I really know what I think I know, because, well, again, like a lot of people, I use Wikipedia as a reference, and I know it's not always accurate. I check out sports sites, news sites, sites like Twitter, the Daily Beast, Huffington Post, Gawker. I have apps for my iPad that give me access to magazines, books, YouTube, recipes, restaurants. You get the gist of it. And I'm grateful you do, by the way. Uh, the point is, I found a new favorite website, and I thought I'd pass it along. As I said, I like to read. This site is ideal for people like me. It's called longreads.com, and it gathers long stories from a variety of sources and makes them available. Lengthy magazine pieces that come from all over. Texas Monthly, The Paris Review, The New Yorker, City Journal, wherever that is. I'm not even sure what city it is. The list goes on and on. Some of the topics are pretty dry, but an awful lot of them are pretty cool. And, well, what are the chances I would have found them without a site like this? I wouldn't have. Check it out. Texas Monthly, Texas Bill. Texas Monthly. What could possibly be in Texas Monthly that little old Torontonian born and bred guy like me could want to read? It Is was it, a does, really... it have, does Rick Perry have a column in there? Oh, because no. then I would... No. Then I would want to read that. He can't that could write. Be exactly. You, you don't... You don't understand by now the full entertainment value of Rick Perry and anything he does. I'd read an article written by Rick Perry. I'm still at the scared point that there are enough Lugans who might vote him in as president. I don't think it's going to happen. I I find him frightening. 
But at the same time, yeah, I, there's no question he's entertaining. No, All right, I'm going to check out Texas Monthly. What's the name of this website again? Longreads.com. Longreads.com. One word. Longreads.com. Yeah, I, I know, Bill. I've been on the internet long enough to know you don't put spaces in there when you're typing things in. Come I just on, thought I'd pass it along. I'll give you another one called Newser, and it's just the opposite of that. It's, um, I, I think their, their slogan is read less, no more. Which is not really something you can something do. Something for the odds. But you, you can get about a three or four paragraph synopsis of what has just happened. But in that three or four paragraph synopsis, you get one or two links to long reads on the subject. Mm-hmm. So you, it's a great tool to have if you're not sure if you're interested in a story. By the time you get through it, you probably know that, yes, I want to know more. You click on one of their links. So it's pretty good. That one happens. other feature, by the way, of long reads that I think you'd find interesting. It tells you how many words are in it and how long it should take you to read it. What? So it says, oh, 11 minutes. If I do it in 10, I'm a fast reader. Is that, does, it's Seriously. It's like traffic reporting then, isn't it? I mean, which I don't get sometimes on those traffic cameras. It just now, says normally know? it goes in seven. What I don't get is this one. If it says normal uh, route, seven minutes today, right now, 10 minutes, Okay. But then when it says normal, seven, today, six, I'm, yeah. what's going on? Are, they, are there cops there waving people? Speed up! We don't care today. You can go as fast as you want. Rolling Stone has put out another list of the top guitarists of all time. I'm not sure if they do it every year, and I'm also not sure why Pete Townsend moved up about 40-some-odd spots into the top 10 at number 10, which is still a travesty, by the way. Uh, but it's great to talk about these things. Get a list out there. We do it all the time and whatever we're talking You're about. You're saying Pete Townsend at 10 is a travesty. Why? Because it's too be high? higher. No, oh, he, he ought to be up oh, much higher than oh, that. No, no. Okay. All right. We'll all get right. back to that. All right. Let's start at number one. I can't argue with Jimi Hendrix at number one. Can no, any, would I you? don't think so. I, I think Jimi Hendrix... Look, if, if, you, if, if there's a 1A... You might say Clapton, but those two are, to me, they're, they're the gold standard, both of them, um, because they could do all kinds of different things. They were great rock guitarists, they were great blues guitarists, uh, jazz. They, they could do anything. So those two and then everybody else. And well, I, Clapton comes in at number two here. And but, that's about and, right. And I, I have never really seen the lure of Eric Clapton. Uh, so I'd put him further down the list. I, I appreciate that he's a really good drummer. Reminds me of back in high school. When, guitarist. Uh, or, yeah, I was going to talk about drummers here for a second, but you're right, guitarist. But I remember back in high school, and I hated Rush. And we got to talking about greatest guitarists, this and that. And I said, look, I hate Rush, but nobody is a better drummer than Neil Peart. Mm-hmm. So this comes back to Clapton with guitarists. I understand how accomplished he is, how great he is, how many fans he has personally. That's fair. Um, it's all Layla about is the only you, thing of his that I listen yep. to and go, wow, that's really awesome. And a so, lot of that was Dwayne Allman. Yeah. But I mean, Hendrix is, is a guy who influenced everybody, not just who you know, was a kid and then wanted to become a guitar player and grew up, but guys around him who already were guitar players mm-hmm. and accomplished guitar players, they wanted to be more like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. That's saying an awful lot. And he could do things with that guitar that were just mind-blowing Never mind just then, but even now, when you watch videos, you go, that, that is just virtuoso. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's mesmerizing. He, he actually could make it talk. And yeah. I'm, that sounds like a cliche, but with Jimi Hendrix, I think it was probably true. And I, I agree. I, I, he's head, I wouldn't say head and shoulders, because like I say, to my ears, Clapton is real close. Yeah. But 
I, I do think that Hendricks, if I had to pick between the two, it would be Jimmy. It's right. the list below that that I think you get into an awful lot of discussion, argument, disagreement. I know, I know. Lindsey Buckingham at 100, no good. Lindsey right. Buckingham I, I don't is a great guitarist. He's a very good guitarist. Absolutely, he is. I don't know who's above him, but... Um, I guess it's, it's. I could probably you know look at the list and go, yeah, all right, ninety nine guitarists ahead of him, but I'd probably have him higher. If he's the number one guitar, one hundred guitarist, this is a great planet. Yeah. This is a fabulous place to live. <laughs> this is planet guitar. If exactly. Lindsey Buckingham can only get to number one hundred, Pete Townsend at ten, yeah, I'd have him higher. But I do realize as we talk about this that it it may be colored by that's the greatest rock and roll band to me, right? In my lifetime, and and he's more than that. He maybe. Maybe my opinion of his guitar playing is colored by just my opinion of his composing of of you know his groundbreaking rock opera. Um, his stuff, his solo and stuff, it, is sometimes better than the Who. He's done some yeah. really good and solo stuff. He is stuff. a fine, fine guitarist. Absolutely, he is. Um, you know, I think I'd put him ahead of Keith Richards, who they have a number four. I think yeah, Richards I agree with is that. merely in. He's kind of a sloppy guitarist. He's a good guitarist, but he's not a great one. Where's Mark Knopfler on this list, by the way? He's not in the top ten, and he might be in mine. I, I, he, he'd he be pretty high. There's one that I I like an awful lot that isn't anywhere on this list, and I would suggest would never be on this list, and it's only because he hasn't had the same kind of uh, exposure success worldwide. Uh, but for my money, one of my favorite guitar players forever has been Chris Rhea. Chris, oh, yeah. I love Chris Rhea's stuff, and yeah. sadly... We don't hear a lot of his stuff over here. He's a, he's a guy who's huge in England and in Europe. Uh, I had the good fortune of uh, meeting and interviewing him. The only time he ever played in Toronto, I was the MC at the concert. I right. got to speak to him. Interesting guy. Yeah. Um, Road to Hell, excellent. Oh, excellent isn't it? And, oh, and the, the the stuff that he did, especially in the uh, in the nineties, uh, I I would put that on a par with almost anything else that's been done. There's a lot of really great guitar players that people don't get a chance to hear. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, and I, I, I should, I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too subjective about this because, you know, Jeff Beck's in the top 10. I, I don't really see, you know. Oh, Jeff Beck's pretty he's good, a bit, But he's very good. Carlos Santana, I realize, really good guitarist. Mm-hmm. He's number 20, but I just don't like his music. And so, you know, I, I guess it depends on exactly what you're voting for. Favorite guitarist is different than what you think is the best. Well, it goes back to what I said about Neil Peart, right? Chuck Perry's a, Chuck Perry's a great example. They, I think they have him at seven. And... Look, Chuck Berry... Rick Perry is above him at number six. <laughs> he should be. The thing with Chuck Berry is that he influenced an awful lot of people, yeah. and so did a lot of the old uh, blues players. Uh, of course, he was early rock and roll. Well, then you got to go with Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson would be even another. before, right? And he's on there. I, I think yeah. he's like at 70 or something. Like 71, yeah. Boy, just, just because of all the people he influenced, yeah. he should be up there in the top 10, Perhaps. I think. Well, they certainly have Les Paul up there. I think he's 23 or something like yeah. that. And again, it's because of not just the guitars he built, but... He influenced an awful lot of yeah. people with his music. So, you it's know, great, it, there's different ways of looking at it, I guess is what I'm saying. the Canadian guitarist of all time. Wow. Neil Lenny Young? Bro would be one that people would Sorry? say. Lenny Bro would be one that yeah, people would say. Yeah, you're right. That, you know? I did not, you know, Neil Young comes in at number 17. I'm, I don't know if he's the top Canadian. I wouldn't here. call, uh, I wouldn't say Neil Young's a great guitarist. guitar player. I think he's yeah. good, but I don't well, think he's great. Really terrific. And um, um, I'm trying to find out who the top female guitar player is. You know who this. else was another great Canadian? Jerry Doucette. Remember Mama Let Him Play? Jerry Doucette happens to be the first act I ever saw live because he opened for Triumph at the CNE Grandstand in 19, I want to say, 79. That'd be about right. And uh, so he came out before them. So the first live act was Jerry Doucette. He played his guitar behind his head. We went, whoa! 
I mean, we were yeah. 13 or 14 years do, old, do, 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 and do, do, we couldn't do, believe do, the guy was playing the guitar do, behind his head. How yeah. can he do that? He's he might have got that from Hendrix. I'm just saying. Now, here's one thing about the list that you know we should talk about is because there are a lot of really great female guitar players. And remember, this isn't just electric guitar. I mean, a lot of the guys we've talked about here, very good at that, and they can do a lot of things, as you said. Right. But when you think of really good female guitarists, uh, Joni Mitchell comes in at number 75. She's the top female guitarist on the list. Bonnie Raitt at number 89. Those are the only Bonnie's two very on the good list. Too, boy. Couldn't there be more on this list? Well, I, I, there's one. Uh, that Lindsay comes Buckingham to mind. is a man, by the way. That's okay? right. It's not, just in that's case. not a third yes. one. Just. Uh, I would say uh, Nancy Wilson from Harvard. Oh, yeah. She's got to be one yeah. that you would think of. Susie Quattro is another one. She's uh, really good, yeah. She, she was much bigger in England than she was here, but she, you know, she's pretty good. Uh, Lita Ford, maybe, and uh, Joan Jett. Would, would be, I'm not a big Joan Jett fan, but I know a lot of people pretty would suggest that. Too, yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, there's probably some folkies when you think about it. People yeah. like, I'm not going to say Janice Ian or anything like that, but there's probably someone along that line who you could go, you know, they're really good. Uh, was it Leona Boyd? Oh yeah! There's oh, a, yeah. A great now one. you're cooking. Yeah. yeah, she is fantastic. Saw mm-hmm. her in a church in London, Ontario, about 15 years ago. It was amazing. She can play, but that's she a really different can. style. I think it's not. It yeah. wouldn't be, you wouldn't call that rock and roll. Who's so. the most overrated on this list? Let's wrap with that. Who, well, who do we think is the most overrated? I, there's by virtue of, of if you go by success, you got to think that anyone who played with the Stones would be great. But when I think of the Stones, I while they are a guitar band, I don't think of them much as a uh, a lead guitar type of thing, right. and, you know. Keith Richards at number four to me seems a little high. Uh, he's a great musician, and I'm by no means taking anything away from him. But uh, you know, I think you could safely put him in the '60s or '70s on a list like this, and that would be just fine by me. On that, we find agreement. We both agree that the most overrated guitarist on the list at number four is Keith Richards, who's a pretty good guitar player. I think he'd probably be right in that spot, or should be. He'd probably be the best guitar player of all time if he just, you know, stayed sober for half of his life and not. But then he wouldn't Can be. Can you imagine Keith. if he actually <laughs> stayed clean? He would be doing things with guitars that we, we would go. Oh no, by far, Keith Richards is the best guitarist. It's not even a- either that, or we'd be sitting there going, Keith Richards, no, Rolling Stones, no, <laughs> yeah, never heard of them. Maybe he would have been worse. You're no. right. <laughs> It's Don Landry and Bill Hayes, and you're getting the gist of it. The Republican primary season continues. Well, actually, the primaries don't continue, but the run-up to the primaries continues. I think the first one is January 3rd. Um, It's been fascinating to watch what's been going on south of the border with the Republicans and the, the fact that that whole party seems to have been taken over by the Tea Party, the extreme right. And you can certainly look at some of the leaders throughout this, who have been ahead in the polls for one time or another, uh, Michelle Bachman. I mean, you don't get much farther right, except maybe Herman Cain, and he was on top for a short while. Uh, Newt Gingrich is the current favorite, and he too, very right-wing. I was reading a a piece by David Frum, who, uh, of course, is part Canadian, uh, his mother's he's part Canadian. Well, he's he's an American citizen now, so yeah. I think you know I think he might be dual, but I'm I, whatever. Um, he's been a, a a staunch conservative Republican for a long time, and even he says they've gone way too far. He's backing either John Huntsman, former governor of Utah, or Mitt Romney, who, both of whom are moderate Republicans. Well, Mitt tries to be a little tougher, um, but they have 
what I like to call intelligence on their side, the two of them. What do you make of that? What do you what do you think of when you think of what's been happening so far in this Republican run up? Well, let me let, let me ask you this question. Does it have you not been entertained? Oh, Are you not being madly entertained, entertained but by scary the Republican too. Party and what's been happening? Can you imagine a, 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 a world where Michelle Bachman is president of the United States? Give that some thought for a few minutes. And well, if you don't go into a fetal position no, in the no, corner no, and cry. No, no, I, no. I mean, Donald Trump could be president. It, God it, help it, us. Well, no, it, it's really not going to make that much of a difference. What we've seen is that style of government has its system of checks and balances and you know what it's looked like the tampa lightning's neutral zone trap at times checked and balanced in stultifying fashion Mm -hmm. to a standstill there's just not you can't do that much as a president Unless you have all of the votes lined up on your side of the aisle, that's when it could get a little bit scary. Well, but, I mean, but right now, that's you, the way it would are, be. You are kind of, well, but not for long. Well, I mean, it, well, not for long. I mean, it was that way for the Democrats when Obama got in. Guess what? Well, uh, the look, ground changed up. So I'm not that worried about this. I'm just more entertained by it. But, but the point being that, you know, I mean, the Republican Party right now and, and its primaries, it's, it's like a Cirque du Soleil in that. But you know what's being contorted aren't body parts, just reality and mm-hmm. uh, and perception and and Platforms. logic and play. it's just yeah. bizarre old world. But it, they've been hijacked by the far right, and there hasn't been pushback by the moderate right. Which it started to come a few months ago, and I thought this is interesting. Maybe we're going to see a little bit bump, a bit of a bump from the moderates in in the Republican Party. But they're just they're overwhelmed right now, and uh, I, I think that might actually play into the Democrats' hands in the well, presidential you them, election. You see them answering questions about what they would do in certain scenarios, not necessarily domestically, because one of the things that's happening here is they're playing to the domestic audience. Uh, and an awful lot of Americans, and I think we all know this, a lot of them don't really know anything outside their own boundaries. Sure, blow up Iraq, blow up Iran. The reality is you can't do that. Um, Huntsman's a great example. He's sitting over there. He, he was uh, the uh, ambassador to China, speaks Chinese, understands what's going on over there. And when he speaks about these things, he comes from a point of view that you may not agree with, but he has an idea of what he's talking about. I never got that sense from Herman Cain. I mean, and, and the fact- Did you get any kind of sense from Herman Cain? At all? Nonsense. That's what I got from Herman Cain. Uh, but this, quite seriously, it scares me that a guy who, to me, is so obviously not qualified to be president yeah. was considered for quite a long period of time and irrespective of anything that was happening to him because there were a whole lot of different things that were being thrown his way that normally would disqualify him from contention. He was like the Teflon man. Nothing could stick to him. Yeah. And that's changed, Well, too. that's just because the lunatic fringe is still beating They're the lunatics. That, that, you know... Hands people are but they're they, marching like with them you in said, this whole though, process. They have hijacked the the yeah, Republican Party. I don't know that they have enough numbers to do any real damage in a general election. That's why I say I think it could actually favor favor the Democrats when when we get beyond this whole thing. Possibly, uh, I, maybe I have a little bit more faith in the uh, the 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 electorate of the United States of America. Generally speaking, I think like Canada, there's much more in the middle in the United States than there is on on either. 
Yeah, the uh, middle's always side. been where you win in this country, not yeah, so much and, down and there. I, and I think that that can be the case uh, in the United States as well. But um, I've been, you know, I've been really entertained by the Republicans. I mean, you when, just when you, it's like an all-star band. You know, it's it's like it's like going to see, you know, uh, I don't know, um, the Who in their heyday. Who yeah. do you want? You watch Townsend for a while; he's a star. No, you're gonna go watch Daltrey now. You know, Entwistle. Watch yeah, Keith Moon. Moon. Watch him play the. Yeah. This is the kind of thing we've had. It's an all-star rock band of just uh, lunacy yeah. going on in their. Well, world. they're not playing Who music; they're playing the DeFranco family. <laughs> Heartbeat, it's a love beat. Heartbeat, it's a love beat. Glad to be back in Toronto. Love it here. Thank God Pottery Road is about to open. Yeah. For the first time in about 18 years, I do believe. Um, going through the airport in Vancouver, I got selected out. Oh, no. For extra security. So they oh. gave me the choice. Pat down or the booth. You know, the, the little scanning booth. The dreaded booth. booth. I did not go in the scanning booth. I said... Uh, can I keep all the money that blows up around me if I go in there? He did not think that was funny. I went for the pat down. I'm kind of glad I did. Guy was thorough, and he was good, you know? Did you give him a all card? All the tension in my shoulders just kind of melted away. And that's The Gist of It for another week. The Gist of It is available every Wednesday afternoon through iTunes or at DonLandry.com. Get your groceries, give me your money, and get the f*** out. <laughs>